0: Book Eight, Chapter Nine of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Amelia, Volume Two. By Henry Fielding. Book Eight, Chapter Nine a curious chapter from which a curious reader may draw sundry observations the sergeant retired from the colonel in a very dejected state of mind in which however we must leave him awhile and return to amelia who as soon as she was up had dispatched mrs atkinson to pay off her former lodgings and to bring off all clothes and other movables the trusty messenger returned without performing her errand mrs ellison had locked up all her rooms and was gone out very early that morning and the servant knew not whither she was gone the two ladies now sat down to breakfast together with amelia's two children after which amelia declared she would take a coach and visit her husband to this motion mrs atkinson soon agreed and offered to be her companion to say truth i think it was reasonable enough and the great abhorrence which Booth had of seeing his wife in a bailiff's house was perhaps rather too nice and delicate When the ladies were both dressed and just going to send for their vehicle a great knocking was heard at the door And presently mrs. James was ushered into the room This visit was disagreeable enough to Amelia as it detained her from the sight of her husband for which she so eagerly longed However as she had no doubt but that the visit would be reasonably short She resolved to receive the lady with all the complacence in her power Mrs. James now behaved herself so very unlike the person that she lately appeared that she might have surprised any one who doth not know that besides that of a fine lady Which is all mere art and mummery? Every such woman hath some real character at the bottom in which whenever nature gets the better of her she acts Thus the finest ladies in the world will sometimes love, and sometimes scratch, according to their different natural dispositions, with great fury and violence, though both of these are equally inconsistent with a fine lady's artificial character. Mrs. James, then, was at the bottom a very good-natured woman, and the moment she heard of Amelia's misfortune was sincerely grieved at it she had acquiesced on the very first motion with the colonel's design of inviting her to her house and this morning at breakfast When he had acquainted her that amelia made some difficulty in accepting the offer Very readily undertook to go herself and persuade her friend to accept the invitation She now pressed this matter with such earnestness that amelia who was not extremely versed in the art of denying Was hardly able to refuse her importunity nothing indeed but her affection to mrs atkinson could have prevailed on her to refuse that point however she would not give up and mrs james at last was contented with a promise that as soon as their affairs were settled amelia with her husband and family would make her a visit and stay some time with her in the country whither she was soon to retire Having obtained this promise, Mrs. James, after many very friendly professions, took her leave, and, stepping into her coach, reassumed the fine lady, and drove away to join her company at an auction. The moment she was gone, Mrs. Atkinson, who had left the room upon the approach of Mrs. James, returned to it, and was informed by Amelia of all that had passed. Pray, madam, said Mrs. Atkinson, do this colonel and his lady live, as it is called, well together If you mean to ask cries Amelia whether they are a very fond couple I must answer that I believe they are not I have been told said mrs. Atkinson That there have been instances of women who have become boards to their own husbands and the husband's pimps for them Fie upon it cries Amelia. I hope there are no such people indeed my dear this is being a little too censorious call it what you please answered mrs atkinson it arises from my love to you and my fears for your danger you know the proverb of a burnt child and if such a one hath any good nature it will dread the fire on the account of others as well as on its own and if i may speak my sentiments freely i cannot think you will be in safety at this colonel's house i cannot but believe your apprehensions to be sincere replied amelia but i must think myself obliged to you for them but i am convinced you are entirely in an error i look on colonel james as the most generous and best of men he was a friend and an excellent friend too to my husband long before i was acquainted with him and he hath done him a thousand good offices what do you say of his behavior yesterday I wish cries mrs atkinson that this behavior to-day had been equal what i am now going to undertake is the most disagreeable office of friendship But it is a necessary one i must tell you therefore what passed this morning between the colonel and mr Atkinson for though it will hurt you you ought on many accounts to know it here she related the whole which we have recorded in the preceding chapter and with which the sergeant had acquainted her while mrs. James was paying her visit to Amelia and As the sergeant had painted the matter rather in stronger colors than the colonel So mrs. Atkinson again a little improved on the sergeant Neither of these good people perhaps intended to aggravate any circumstance But such is I believe the unavoidable consequence of all reports mrs. Atkinson indeed may be supposed not to see what related to James in the most favourable light as the sergeant with more honesty than prudence had suggested to his wife that the colonel had not the kindest opinion of her and had called her a sly and demure blank. it is true he admitted ill-looking b two words which are perhaps superior to the patience of any job in petticoats that ever lived he made amends however by substituting some other phrases in their stead not extremely agreeable to a female ear it appeared to amelia from mrs atkinson's relation that the colonel had grossly abused boot to the sergeant and had absolutely refused to become his bail poor amelia became a pale and motionless statue at this account at length she cried if this be true i and mine are all indeed undone we have no comfort no hope no friend left I cannot disbelieve you, I know you would not deceive me. Why should you indeed deceive me? But what can have caused this alteration since last night? Did I say or do anything to offend him? You said, and did rather I believe a great deal too much to please him. Answered Mrs. Atkinson, besides, he is not in the least offended with you. On the contrary, he said many kind things. What can my poor love have done? said amelia he hath not seen the colonel since last night some villain hath set him against my husband He was once before suspicious of such a person some cruel monster hath belied his innocence Pardon me dear madam said mrs. Atkinson I believe the person who hath injured the captain with this friend of his is one of the worthiest and best of creatures Nay do not be surprised the person I mean is even your fair self Sure you would not be so dull in any other case, but in this gratitude humility Modesty every virtue shuts your eyes Mortalis habitant visus as Virgil says what in the world can be more consistent than his desire to have you at his own house And to keep your husband confined in another all that he said and all that he did yesterday and what is more convincing to me than both all that he looked last night are very consistent with both these designs oh heavens cries amelia you chill my blood with horror the idea freezes me to death i cannot must not will not think it nothing but conviction heaven forbid i should ever have more conviction and did he abuse my husband what did he abuse a poor unhappy distressed creature oppressed ruined torn from his children torn away from his wretched wife the honestest worthiest noblest tenderest fondest best here she burst into an agony of grief which exceeds the power of description in this situation mrs atkinson was doing her utmost to support her when a most violent knocking was heard at the door and immediately the sergeant ran hastily into the room bringing with him a cordial which presently relieved amelia what this cordial was we shall inform the reader in due time in the meanwhile he must spend his curiosity and the gentleman at white's may lay wages whether it was ward's pill or dr james's powder but before we close this chapter and return back to the bailiff's house we must do our best to rescue the character of our heroine from the dulness of apprehension which several of our quick-sighted readers may lay more heavily to her charge than was done by her friend mrs atkinson i must inform therefore all such readers that it is not because innocence is more blind than guilt that the former often overlooks and tumbles into the pit which the latter foresees and avoids the truth is that it is almost impossible guilt should miss the discovering of all the snares in its way as it is constantly prying closely into every corner in order to lay snares for others whereas innocence having no such purpose walks fearlessly and carelessly through life and is consequently liable to tread on the gins which cunning hath laid to entrap it to speak plainly and without allegory or figure it is not want of sense but want of suspicion by which innocence is often betrayed again, we often admire at the folly of the dupe when we should transfer our whole surprise to the astonishing guilt of the betrayer. In a word, many an innocent person hath owed his ruin to this circumstance alone that the degree of villainy was such as must have exceeded the faith of every man who was not himself a villain. End of chapter nine.